0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus, Today I'm joined in the studio by my confrere, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, women, and and blessed is the the fruit fruit of thy womb,
1: womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now now and at at the hour of our death.
0: death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about the history of singing in church, specifically the Catholic Church. How singing in church is not something that is really just an extra add-on, something superficial, but that it's really been part of our worship from the very beginning. And we could even go back uh, before Christian times to uh, the the worship of the Old Testament. Isn't that right, Father Hayes?
1: It is. I have to I actually had to study this. Little problem uh, when I was a uh, pastor at St Rose in Kentucky, and uh, we needed a choir, so mm-hmm. I put together this talk on church singing to see who 'd show up because I, then at the end of course, I pitched the choir right but this is uh, the beginning of it, and of course, these are very, very ancient roots I mean religions generally speaking have music as part of their setups. And this is true of pagan religion. It's true of Jewish religion and the temple. So, and it's it is sort of interesting. One of the oldest pieces, uh, datable pieces of Hebrew in the Hebrew scriptures, is the reference at the at the when God destroys the Egyptians in the Red Sea and the Israelites see their bodies. The next thing is that the Israelites, you know, strike up a hymn of praise, right. which we use at the Easter Vigil. Actually, mm-hmm. is one of the responsories. And that is, uh, you know, that's as early as we can find. That's even mm-hmm. before the institution of the temple rites. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so from the beginning, we seem that that music is part of uh, the addressed God.
0: Right. And We know, of course, the Psalms were um, sung for all kinds of different occasions. Right. Not only at very solemn occasions like the coronation of a king, mm-hmm. you know, or in the temple, uh, but even just could be sung by someone who was sick and wanted God's intervention. That's right. Or in thanksgiving for for a blessing. Mm.
1: The Levites themselves, the Levit- Levitical tribe was divided into various uh groups for ke- ke- keeping up the temple and including those people who kept, you know, the uh the um, sacrifices going, kept the uh instruments like the uh, pans and dustbins for the for the coal. Uh, for the uh, coals that were used on the the temple. You also find uh, people divided for, I think, the sons of Korah, who were the singers, Mm -hmm. and then other people played musical instruments. Hmm. So the psalms themselves record, you know, you have processions, you know, to the temple, you know, with, as it says, uh, the the singers in the forefront, the musicians coming last, last, in between the maidens sounding their timbrels. timbrels. Yes, that's right. Yeah.
0: Yes. So, uh, so even from the uh, the earliest uh, scriptures that we have in the Bible, we have song, you know, right. used in worship. So, what would the music have been like in the earliest Christian worship in the in the, in the in the in the with among the apostles and their successors?
1: Well, that's a very interesting discussion because we do have uh, what seem to be bits and pieces of songs even in the Scripture. Hmm. Not only, of course, would the Apostles, being Jews, use forms of worship that, they, you know, introduce, I would say, forms of worship they would be familiar from the, from the temple. But we also find places like in Philippians, uh, what seems to be a hymn, mm-hmm. you know, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And and by 150, we find Justin uh, Justin Martyr, in his defense of the faith, talking about the celebration of Mass and including a hymn, he says, to Christ as God, mm. which I is in the place where we now sing, and which I'm sure is the early, early version of the Gloria. Mm. You know, mm. sung at every mass uh, in the Irish Church. The Gloria was sung every day, not just on feasts. It was mm. a standard part of the mass. So you had, even in the Latin rite, you had early on you had different patterns of. Ex- Explicitly worship, but it wasn't all exactly the same thing. But you find this there. I would say one big difference that there does seem to be is we don't seem to have, um, we don't seem to have in the authors I read records of musical instruments used until about the year one thousand, hmm. and uh, and this seems to be I think for two reasons. For the argument is usually given that the human voice is the only. Instrument that is actually shaped by the hand of God in its making, hmm. the rest are made by humans, and so that is the appropriate excellence the appropriate uh, vessel uh, means for play, for uh, for praising God. Now, I think the other thing might have been that both Jewish and pagan worship used instruments mm-hmm. and so to distinguish themselves. Mm. I think you know remember the early Christians are very much concerned about living living a spiritual and pure liturgy mm. okay, so in a sense if you 're praying while you 're singing because those words are prayers, you are praying in the Holy Spirit while you're singing, mm-hmm. you 're know, singing those sacred words, and there 's a sense in which your your music from your voice is extremely spiritual, coming from a bodied spirit. Uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in a way that, say, the, the sound coming from a trumpet would not be. Hmm. So I think you can make that argument, too. Now, um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure uh, how much thinking was done about this, because the sources are pretty rudimentary for all this. We do have some examples of the music that comes from these times, but, and it's all for voice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of it's very beautiful. Um, so, what would it
0: have sounded like? So, like, like before the Middle Ages, like, or maybe, or the earliest. Well, type the
1: earlier the, the early place, say, five hundreds or so, we mm-hmm. have we have written music from some written pieces from there. But these, uh, the, uh, it's interesting that we have in Latin Church a lot of Greek texts mm-hmm. for the Mass, uh, which are which are sung in a, you know, a cappella, so no instruments. Uh, manner which has a lot of ornamentation on it. Mm. So it's a lot like synagogue singing, you know, and it's uh, a lot like a lot of traditional folk singing. I'm thinking things like Irish no singing, which is heavily ornamented, but not, but not accompanied by musical instruments. Mm. And the other thing about this music course is it's not metered, mm. by which I mean it doesn't have a, a fixed beat, you know, like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Glory and praise to our God. One two three. One two three. Okay, that's not what's going on. Okay, rather that in this chant, and I think this is an important point to understand how chant works. It is the text that drives the music.
2: Mm. Right,
1: the text that drives the music, and so and there are conventions in it. You know, when you're when you're singing a gospel, for instance, uh, there are conventions in the chant for question that symbol signal, uh, signal the end of a of a of a, of a verse it actually helps the reader and the congregation make sense of the passage that's being that's being uh sung hmm. um but to listen to some of these old antiphons and so forth you they uh, some of them do, are sung with um extra voices mm-hmm. you know uh drones uh cantus firmus uh, these lines which have a, uh, as I said, think of the drone on a bagpipe. Right. It's one tone. One, that, one pitch. Against one pitch, or it could be two, because mm-hmm. like a bagpipe, you have both a mm-hmm. bass drones and tenor drones. You know, mm-hmm. the, the long, long pipe and the shorter pipes. Mm-hmm. Those are the drones. They only play one instrument. The chanter and the piper's hand is what plays the, the melody. And it's sort of like that in the musical structure, some mm-hmm. of the things I've heard. Um, and... Uh, and the Greek Orthodox also have similar kinds of, of singing hmm. for this period and later. I think they've h- held on to this pretty well. Um, but uh, you can do it with uh, other pieces as well, like you could do it with uh, "Let All Mortal Flesh." Mm-hmm. So, um, if you do you, you know that Tim right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where would you let? Let mortal flesh keep silence, and, and with fear and trembling stand. That kind yeah, of thing. Right. Okay? So when you get further, uh, when you get about the year 1000s, people start playing with musical instruments. Mm-hmm. So um, you asked me a funny question on the way over here, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: When, when, did, when did the pipe organ start being used in church?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. But it's a good pipe organ. It has an interesting history. So the ancient Greeks before Christ actually had small versions of of organs. But the big organs, big organs like we're thinking of, like theater organs, mm. were in the theaters of Rome mm. and places like the Colosseum and the Circus Maximus. Mm. And they were used to accompany the spectacle, just like we use organs in many places. Fenway Park is one place from Boston, mm. where I'm from, right. where you're used to hearing the organ playing against the, against the game. You know, right. bum 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 bum, and uh, and they, the Romans would do this <laughs> with the organ, you know, for the spectacles, the gladiatorial compass, the chariot races, and other things. So I am almost certain that Saint Peter probably died listening to organ music, <laughs> which is a little, uh, which is a little ironic thing that it ends up as a a church <laughs> instrument that. By the twelfth is the preeminent church instrument completely. Um,
0: right, so you were saying, like they would, they, would, they would do this organ fanfare. Bring in the lions. And that's not right. Talking yeah. about the Detroit Lions. <laughs>
1: that's
2: right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but uh, so, but you do find them being used uh, about this time. Once the musical instruments start coming in, people kind of sign, have all kinds of experiments. I've so read, that's about the year one thousand. About the year one thousand. Like, so okay. we start experimenting. Gregorian reform. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe a little into it, but it 's right about there that they start playing with all these things. I remember reading an account of um like a twelve a, tw- a twelve member band of nuns playing crumb horns, which is the crumb horn is an instrument that sounds like uh, sort of a it 's a double reed buzzing instrument that has sort of sound like a clarinet with with pneumonia <laughs> so twelve Vs going so
0: you're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at Saint Patrick Priory in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and we've been discussing the history of singing in church, um, especially the Catholic Church. And so we were just at the year 1000, one the Gregorian thing, yeah. Reform, when some musical instruments are starting to be introduced into the into the worship, mm-hmm. into the Mass.
1: And so this also does transform the way that the music is being sung. Mm-hmm. So here you you do have you, be, you begin to find um, songs uh, and p- pieces with meter, hmm. okay. And so uh, some of them have a beat, you know. Some more popular pieces that might be sung in church or around church services. Uh, a lot of Christmas carols, you know, have a, mm. a "The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came." I've often heard that performed with a drum, mm-hmm. um, and so so you you can you can play around with the instruments in various various ways, and and you do find during this period uh, a funny move back and forth between secular and and sacred songs. Mm. So as we're using more instruments. We're also the tunes are being adapted, which is interesting. So that a tune that, um, like lo, uh, the the Armed Man, Loma Amé, is a famous one, where we have both uh, secular songs written to the tune and also, you know, sacred settings and even mass parts written to it. Hmm. So not completely, not completely alien to the present age. Now, I should say the, the most of the church music still is going to be sung chant-wise mm-hmm. and it will fit according to the various institutions and parts of the church. The Dominicans, we have our own patterns of chant, for instance. Our, our liturgical reform is in the late 13th, late, uh, 13th century.
0: 13th century. Yeah, the yeah. order was founded in the 13th century and, right. and then in the early part, and then later it was it was reformed. But... Ooh. We well, could we could give mm-hmm. a couple examples of our Dominican right. Uh, we had this yes.
1: problem, of course, as a worldwide order that the mass being celebrated and with different usages in different places. Mm-hmm. You know, according to different sacramentaries, um, not major differences, but small differences. You know, they, I mean, we we we've had that. At any rate, we, uh, we reformed our liturgy, and so our liturgy was set so that everybody in the order would be literally on the same page when we were trying mm-hmm. to do the chant or the office or celebrate Mass.
0: Right. And the Dominican cycle of hymns, especially for praying morning prayer, evening prayer, for the Liturgy of the Hours, the Mm -hmm. different hours, was, you were said, was even more simple than the Roman uh, cycle of hymns. That's right. Because the Dominicans would be traveling around. They wouldn't necessarily always have books with them. Right. They had to be able to memorize what they were going to sing.
1: Yeah, because you're trying to travel light as possible so especially before the age of the printed book where you could get the print very fine you know the, you know breviaries are actually sometimes massive especially mm. for the bigger feasts for the bigger feasts it wouldn't be so much of a problem because you're probably in one of our houses anyhow so you right. you've got the books there but the problem would be how do you if you're on the road you know you're traveling like saint thomas aquinas sent from naples to paris at one point you know right. on the road what does he do for the hours because we we want to continue to pray
0: Right, so this is an example of a of some of the, the the hymns you do every every day for one of the shorter hours would be like this is the English version of it. O oh, Holy Spirit, ever one with both the Father and the Son, come now, O oh God, we humbly pray. Be present in our hearts today. Right, yeah. so very simple, almost on mm-hmm. one to one tone, certainly sort of, sort mm-hmm. of modulating. But then, which is true of a lot of chant, if you had a a, a bigger feast day, even say a Sunday. There's more modulation, there's more ornamentation. More ornamentation. So mm-hmm. there's a sense of like more jubilation. You spend more notes yeah. on one on on one syllable of text, and it's still kind of text driven. So this is what the Saturday um, hymn beginning beginning the celebration of Sunday mm-hmm. is like. Oh Trinity, a blessed light. Oh Unity, a princely mind. So you see that it's, there's a lot more modulation, there's a lot more pitch, it's more... More ornamentation, right,
1: ornamentation. yeah. I mean, now the extreme example, of course, in the, in the liturgy would be something like the Easter Alleluia, right? Right. Alleluia. Ah. Right. Okay, with that long, long A at the end on all those notes right. called the melisma, mm-hmm. you know. This, which is, as you say, a kind of jubilatory note to the whole thing, right?
0: So, um, yeah. So, in, so when would you, when would you say is the um, when we talk about Gregorian chant, like the Gregorian reform? When was like why and when did that happen? Well,
1: that you're talking about a bunch of Gregories there, because oh, really? yeah, because the uh, Gregorian chant is usually. We I think we're going to Gregory the First, who was a Benedictine. Okay. Uh, But the thing is the the chant patterns he – they developed, which come out of this – and there's a much ink spilt on this, which I don't think is going to be all that useful to our audience. Mm -hmm. But um, there are some interesting stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a reputation among the Roman monks for singing very sweetly. So Charlemagne in the 800s had uh, some – asked the pope to send some monks from Rome into his dominions among his Germans mm-hmm. so that they would learn to sing more sweetly than they were <laughs> and uh, pr- pronounce the Latin better than they were, etc. Mm-hmm. So there's actually there's – a, there's a wonderful uh, CD called Chant Wars, which is uh, – um, what was the name of it? Uh, Dialogus is one of the groups that's on it, and I always forget the name of the other one. Um,
0: so, does it have samples of chant from?
1: Yes, from and and, the, and it's really, actually, it's. Re- I think it's a a lovely, lovely recording. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a sense of uh, what this music is about, mm-hmm. uh, it because it it, it it has a. Um, there's one hilarious – we'd call it sort of a, like a prayer of the faithful. Mm-hmm. But it's all sung in chant, but a very vigorous version of it, mm-hmm. a very vigorous version of it. Um, and um, and as I said, it has uh, one of the longest melismas sung, not mm-hmm. in that piece but in another that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sequencia. That's the other group. Sequencia and Dialogus. Turned this out and a number of years ago, and it's a great recording. If you would ever like to again called Chant Wars, Chant Wars, yes, right, and it refers to this semi-war between the Germanic and the Roman style of doing okay. these chants. So, okay. so you'll you'll notice a, a difference in energy, a difference in style, a difference in sweetness in different mm-hmm. pieces. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, and one one um, I guess one thing that we we were talking about earlier was that. Um, in the Catholic Church, for a long time, there wasn't a whole lot of variation so that, uh, I mean, other than for feast days, because that way people could memorize what they were singing. They, almost right. like today, even today, you know, many people would, would memorize the mass parts, you know, the mm-hmm. Sanctus, the holy, right. holy, the Lamb of God. They would, they would just know that by heart. But would it be true to say that um, before relatively recent times, people would have memorized other other pieces of music as well. in the Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, Ch- Chaucer talks about Piers Plowman singing the psalms hmm. behind his plow. Mm-hmm. So these are things that people had in their m- hearts and in their minds. And this is scripture mm-hmm. in the official language of the church and of scholarship mm-hmm. for, you know, like 20 centuries. Not that I want to get on that hobby horse.
0: <laughs> right. You but, were also saying that until relatively recently... Um, many people sang not just in church, but they sang in their work, oh yeah,
1: because yeah, and we're it 's sort of funny with all the music, the canned music we have, we are not singing like we normally did, but down the 19th century, even uh, working people would would had work songs for their the work they did, you know if you 're a minor or a soldier, certainly, I, and of course, sea shanties are famous, you know right. Haul on the bowline, you know. These these were work songs to help people work in tandem on complicated mm-hmm. uh, matters like uh, getting the rigging of a ship where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so people would have had good memories for this; they would have recalled these things. It would be part of their emotional life, their home life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's until fairly, fairly recently that. Uh, Latin wasn't used for general instruction. I mean, it, it, it goes to the – I mean, when I say – you're talking to me, so fairly recently means like 1600s. <laughs> but um, but I think it was in the 1700s when Austria-Hungary, a Catholic nation, abolished Latin as the ordinary inst- uh, instruction uh, mm. f- language for education and instead started imposing German, which mm. the Hungarians, Croats, and others were not real thrilled about, mm. you know. Um,
0: so as we go, as we go uh, more into closer to the present, mm-hmm. um, what are some notable changes, at least in the Catholic Church, in terms of singing?
1: Well, I think, you know, the introduction of new forms of music mm-hmm. in the, in the rena- so-called Renaissance and so-called Enlightenment mm-hmm. have changed the way we've looked at things. The Re- Protestant Reformation often also brought in a number of things like a large use of metered hymns on scriptural, based on scriptural texts mm-hmm. – Um, the use of hymns in Protestant worship, Mm -hmm. whereas Catholic worship had always favored the Psalms, as I've said,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: as the heart of our worship. It's not that we didn't have hymns, but hymns tended to be on specific theological topics. They were seen as more popular. Mm -hmm. Things like uh, the, uh, you know, Veni creatus spiritus, many of these, you know, St. Dominic loved a number of these Latin hymns, which have a meter, have a beat, but it's mostly in the syllables, not necessarily the Mm -hmm. The, uh, the rhythm that we're used to in more modern kinds of music mm-hmm. there is uh, I think a big change with the in, with the introduction of operatic style singing mm-hmm. so instead of using you know the you know the head and the nasal cavities to produce the tone that we're used to hearing in chant mm-hmm. we have this singing from the bottom of the lungs which mm-hmm. gives you a completely different temper and quality mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's all that I'm not sure it's an improvement the baroque uh, period seems to have tried to weld both doctrine and emotion together, mm. and this is both in the plastic arts, sculpture, and so forth, but also in the music that you hear. Mm. and And of course, we start. You know, one of the problems between the seventeen and eighteen hundreds uh, is, you know, we begin to lose the working people. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the things. I think part of it is the change in the culture, mm-hmm. which became rather highbrow and less participatory. Mm-hmm. Less participatory. You know, you have these Baroque liturgies, where, um, for instance, a Mozart mass, mm-hmm. okay, mass by Mozart would have would start out the you know the with the Sanctus, and then they they would take sing the choir would sing the Sanctus really slowly. Meanwhile, the priest is running along with the Latin prayers. The sanctus stops in the middle, so the priest does the consecration.
2: Right, right. Okay,
1: and probably a flight of birds is re- then released from behind the altar just to <laughs> keep everybody on their toes. And then the choir starts up at Benedictus Quivinus. Blessed right. is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that continues until the minor elevation at the end, through him, with him, in him.
0: Right, right.
1: So right. it, you know, there was a dis this juncture, I think. Mm, and right. the Second Vatican Council tries to restore some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you come to the, you come to the, well, fast forward, we have, for when I was a kid, before the council, you sort of had a double track. You had Latin liturgy, much of it not sung, you know, cause some of some of the, during the 19th, 18th to 19th century, where the church was persecuted mm-hmm. by modernistic forces in so, so many places, mm-hmm. Republican France, uh, Protestant Protestantism, the British and the British Empire. Um, I think some peoples, like the Irish, fell out of singing because yeah. singing would attract the redcoats, oh, and that, right. so you wouldn't want to do that if you're having mass secretly because mm. the Catholic mass is banned mm-hmm. in those in during those centuries, um, etc. With the Council, of course, we had we tried to put an English language letter together, and we ended up writing a lot of, in my opinion, very awful music. I mean, this is the traumatic years of my teenage life. <laughs> and, and then we've been recovering things. So right now we have all kinds of stuff in the lumber room.
2: Right, right. All
1: kinds of stuff to use. And I think if we are selective about it, we can bring forth from the storm, as Scripture mm. says, things old and new, that we might better pray.
0: Right. Wonderful. Yes. And, and so, uh, yeah, I know in our Dominican tradition, you know, we can sing... An English hymn, you know, for evening mm-hmm. prayer, right. you know, that might be written by a Protestant, yeah. John Wesley, but then we always close with the, the hymns to Our Lady. That's you know, right. That probably goes back to the earliest mm-hmm. years of the Dominican order, the salve right. Regina.
1: That's right. With our own distinctive chant. With our own it's distinctive not the Roman chant, one. It's right. our, the Dominican it's our one. Based on the Cistercian.
0: Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I've been joined in the studio today by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's now end in prayer to St. Dominic. O light of the Church,
1: teacher of of truth, rose of patience, patience, ivory of chastity, for you you have poured poured forth the waters of of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us to the the blessed. Amen. Amen.
0: Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.